So leveling up, it, it's, first it's a mindset. It's the fact that no matter how great you are, there's always another level. So no matter how amazing you know, you're, you've been doing things now, it's like, let's celebrate, let's rejoice at where we've come from, and let's get to the next level. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP in construction innovation adventure with the mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Dan Walshmit. Dan is a champion ultra runner and elite strategist to business leaders around the world. He doesn't just talk about success, he's obsessed with it. Dan is also the chief revenue officer of Panzera and is gonna be our keynote speaker at the Digital Agility Summit on January 21st. Welcome to the show, Dan. Dan, great to be with you. And you know what, I love that. Sometimes people get like these bios that are like 90 paragraphs long and so it's great. We're in, we're here, we're doing shit, it's awesome. That's right. Let's dive into it. Uh, so ultra running, you don't come across a lot of ultra runners. How'd you get into the sport? Uh, so I, I had, I had wrong friends, I guess. Uh, so I've been running for, since I was a young child, my dad would take me out on runs and, uh, and I just enjoyed it. And over time I was running more and more and, and I had a couple of friends who were like, we're going to, we're going to run a, a long race. And so I went, <clears throat> I ran this race. It's a 24 hour race. And I actually I was going to try to run like 140 miles and long story short, I failed epically, but I ran 71 miles and I had never run that distance before. I'd run like 10 miles, 12 miles. And all of a sudden one day I woke up and ran 71 miles. I was out of shape and fat and just clumsy and like an idiot, basically not too dissimilar to how I am now. And, and I just went and did it. And, and then uh, the next day I had a mentor call me and I was bummed and all negative. And he was like, dude, the longest you've ever run is a half marathon. For you to go out and run 71 miles, it's absolutely amazing. Like, go, you know, that's, you know, change your attitude. So long story short, ended up running the Arkansas Traveler 100 a few months later, came in fourth place overall, and then I was hooked. I was hooked. I thought, wow. you know what? Um, this is, this, this is like you, you feel all of the emotions from the high highs to the low lows, to hating your life, to feeling like, three seconds of bliss when you cross the finish line and do something that like, you never imagined is possible. And so I love it. It's yeah. not a competition against your peers. It's really a competition against yourself. Uh, and so that's why I love oh, it. Oh yeah. Well, I imagine that with running a hundred miles, I mean, running any distance is a, a mental sport in and of itself. Running a hundred miles. That's yeah. a, that's a big mental toughness game. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that now, um, there's a new type of race called last man standing and actually court. There's a, a, a young lady named Cor Courtney DeWalter. who's just amazing. Um, so the last man standing, these sort of races now say we, every, every like 45 minutes, you have to run a three mile loop and we do this forever. Or like usually every 60 minutes, you run a four mile loop. We do this forever. Uh. And she ran 68 loops, which means 68 consecutive hours of running which is like 250 miles or something like that before she... It's insane. And what happens is you keep running and then there's one person that's like last man standing or last woman standing. It's literally one person keeps running and the other person just has to stop. And so, you you know, there's yeah. no sleep. You're struggling with... It. So it's, I think it's, it's, you have to... It's not the race. It's not the running. It's the fact that you're putting yourself in this position where you have to find something within yourself to achieve what you think you want. 
and I'm sure you can do this in tennis or you can do this in probably crocheting or something, but there's just, there's this weird forced place of suffering that you go and find something and it's the only way. Otherwise you drop out, you give up, you move on, you make excuses. Yeah, definitely. Well, what lessons have you learned from being a champion ultra runner that have made you better at business? Oh, I, I often joke if I ever write a book, it would be like you know, everything I learned in life, I learned running or something. You know, something. I know it's so corny yeah. and cliche, but, <laughs> but you know, there's, I, I've sent an email to one of our executives uh, 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 last night, late last night. And I said, you know, I'm not sure exactly what to do, but what I've learned from running is let's just put one foot in front of the other. And, you know, you don't run a hundred miles. You run four miles to the next aid station and you run five miles to the next aid station. Then you run 7.1 miles to the next aid station. You're always running from where you are to that next aid station. It's the same way you build, you know, a billion dollar company. It's the same way you, you know, you roll out technology land, your customers expand, grow. You, you don't, it's not the whole, it's not the thing. It's the steps. It's the footprints along the way that get you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so you're about leveling up. What does that mean to you? What does leveling up mean? Well, it's an attitude, I think, first and foremost, right? So there's, there's certain people that, and we all know them, or, you know, it's like when there's an obstacle in their way or when something happens that's bad, they're, they're, the first reaction is like, is to point outward, right? <laughs> it's like somebody right. else, it's life, it's yeah. Trump. The blame the game starts. <laughs> it's COVID, yeah, exactly. It's something else other than me. And the leveling up, is, it's first, it's a mindset. It's the fact that no matter how great you are, there's always another level. So no matter how amazing you know, you're, you've been doing things now, it's like, let's celebrate, let's rejoice at where we've come from, and let's get to the next level. Let's, let's keep reimagining what's possible, what's greatness. And so what this means is, it's, there's, there doesn't need, there's no need for a blame game, because if you do great, there's another level. If you fail, well, there's clearly another level. <laughs> so you just keep striving for the next level. And that whole reimagining of the level is what is what um, enables you to kind of keep focused on, you know, this this idea of excellence, this idea of greatness. We call it um, inside Panzera being awesome. We use the word awesome a lot, uh, and I think that that helps you achieve the next level because if you measure what you're doing by the words "is this awesome," then you you very clearly decide if 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 you're at that level or not, right? So if you say, you know, no. "Is this podcast good enough?" The answer is probably yes. You know, did I try to do this? Okay, yeah. But when you say, "Is this awesome?" Then you might go, "Well, my notes were awesome. My guess, that dude sucked." You know, <laughs> you might, you might, you might decide you're going to position this in different ways to to find a way to level up. We're going to level up our guests. We're going to level up our preparedness or our content or something like that. It's a really cool yeah. way to think about this, right? It's, is, is this awesome? If the answer is no, or well, I'm not sure, well, if the answer is I'm not sure that it's not awesome, because you'll know when it's awesome, uh, that gives you kind right. of a, gives you, gives you um, foot guidelines, guide rails to get closer to where you want to be. 
This episode is brought to you in part by Stanbonness, a multidiscipline professional services firm serving clients nationally with a strategic focus on AEC, professional services, real estate, and manufacturing industries. Through the Stanbonness family of companies, clients have access to a sophisticated menu of services, including compliance, business and tax advisory, technology, Microsoft solution, Dell Tech ERP software, strategic growth advisory, and next-gen solutions. As an anticipatory organization, Stanbonness fully utilizes and invests in innovative tools and practices, giving clients direct access to high-level industry expertise that's collaborative, forward-thinking, and future-ready. Connect with them today at stanbonness.com to learn more about how to accelerate growth and profitability. They are also a featured sponsor at Applied Software's Digital Agility Summit, a virtual conference on January 21st. It's time to build digital resiliency. Go to digitalagilitysummit.com to claim your ticket today. See you there. Yeah, absolutely. I love the the challenging aspect of it, of always keep challenging yourself. So I'm a competitive swimmer. So there's always a, a new goal to, to hit. There's always a new benchmark to, to really go after. Uh, how does grit come into play when you're talking about leveling up? Yeah, so, you know, Angela Duckworth kind of came up with this idea of grit. She, she didn't come up with it, but she's kind of articulated it well <clears throat> with the book name, Grit. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not smart enough to, to, to really know what grit is all about. I get sometimes the essence of it, but uh-huh. it's, it, here's what I know in my simple mind. Um, if, if you don't persist, then your dreams don't exist. So it doesn't matter what obstacles are in your way, or it doesn't matter if you don't know how it's going to happen. Your job is just to persist. And that simplifies things. That simplifies things. You know, I don't know who said it, like, you know, half of success is just showing up, but Mm -hmm there couldn't be more truth to that. Like showing up for life, showing up for work, showing up for your family, showing up for your peers, showing up, just showing up. Um, another thing I often say to myself, and I've probably said this hundreds of times, you know, what if today was the day you were going to win and you didn't show up? Today, was, it was your day. I've heard so many biographies of, of, of amazing people from, you know, rich old people like Rockefeller, <laughs> uh, to, 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 to really cool people doing some stuff in the last you know, decade or two. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's this struggle and it goes up and down and down and down and down and up and then down and down and down. And, and there's this journey. And then there's this moment where it's like a little switch is slipped. And it's yeah. like that, that begins what we know about them as their assault on greatness, right? That, that's, that's where we find out about them. That's where we learn their story. And, I, I kind of asked myself, you know, is it better for me to give up and just walk away from this entirely, whatever it is, or is it better that I persist and increase my odds at that moment where everything goes in my favor and, 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 and life is my destiny, uh, you know, becomes reality. I mean, we throw around these, these thoughts, you know, Henry Ford went bankrupt, you know, five times before he ended up with the formula for warehouses. Like most yeah. of us 
you know, there, I mean, I've lost a home in pursuit of a business idea. I was like, you know, it's either pay the mortgage or pursue your dream. So I'm going to pursue my dream. And I've ended up losing, being on the losing end of that. That's, that's not cool. That, that sucks. But imagine losing everything like five times over and having right. to rebuild. Most of us are just not willing to pursue that. You know, we throw Thomas Edison at 10,000 tries at a light bulb or something. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But we, we kind of make that one big number. Oh, he did 10,000 tries. But it was a try, and then a try, and then a try, and then a try. And it would, it would, it would consume the rest of our podcast if we just said tries. But that's the sort of, you know, that's the sort of challenge. You know, Macy's, um, you know, made, who built the famous department store, went, went, you know, lost everything three times. The store, his flagship store burned to the ground. They had to rebuild it. Colonel wow. Sanders was 65 before he started uh, what we know of is, you know, KFC, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and then turned that into a billion dollar company from 65 to 95. So his whole life was built on, uh, you know, was, was a series of dotted lines to get him to where he ended up being. <clears throat> and he was a cantankerous old man. And I hear they're building a lifetime movie around this story, uh, which is very um, interesting. Sure. And I probably, <laughs> There's a probably lifetime movie for everything it. if you want it. <laughs> exactly. But there's something simplistic about being backed into the corner. There's something about being at rock bottom is that the only way up is up. The only way out is out. You can't go back. Right. And I'm, you know, Todd, one of my theories is I started writing my second book. <clears throat> I co-named it The Law of Awesome uh, because uh, that's a lot of the stories, you know, I couldn't put in the first book or it's in this book about people who are doing awesome things, people who shouldn't be doing awesome things are actually doing quite awesome things. Um, long story short, um, one of the things I just came away with was this idea that the, the incubation, you know, the ingredients for awesomeness, one of, one of the biggest ingredients is suffering. And the more suffering does two things to us, it either breaks us and we give up and we walk away, or it puts us in a situation where we are clear-minded about where we need to go and what we need to do. We, 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 all, we have all in executive positions had to make hard decisions about letting people go or not hiring or you know, working from home, all these different sort of scenarios that are very uncomfortable. But I mean, come on, how does that, I mean, you have people dying of, of diseases and, and, you know, and, and let alone COVID, you know, other diseases. And it, it, it's, it's traumatic and hard and it, people are suffering. And, you know, we have it too good. We have it too good to do things that are awesome. Think about right. it. Our, our businesses are good enough to kind of limp along without really achieving, you know, epic focus because of hard times. And our personal lives, we've got enough to, have some credit card debt, have some, have a few cars, go on vacations a couple times a year. But and we keep saying, I want more. We keep saying, I'm going to do more. We keep saying, like, this year is my year. I'm going to pay off all my debt or I'm going to, you know, make a million dollars. I'm going to start investing. I'm going to start that new business idea. And we never get to it because we don't allow the suffering in our lives that crystallizes the purpose of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told someone the other day, that moment happens for me at around mile 51. So I'm running a 100-mile race. As soon as I get to mile 51, I'm like, all right, let's all home stretch now. 
doesn't matter that it's 51 more miles or 49 more miles. Right. It's all home. It's, it's all downhill. Home stretch. It's all downhill, yeah. right? It's not, but, but that's not my brain works. <laughs> Mentally, it's downhill. <laughs> that's right. So for me, the, the running, and this goes back to the first question you asked me, is, is that a bit of self-induced suffering to help you realize what really matters <clears throat> and to build that resolve within your soul to do what needs to be done because what needs to be done, quite candidly, for all of us, all of our businesses, technology or otherwise, it's probably uncomfortable, right? It's probably you know, less, than, less than desirable. It's not something you would go, yep, I'll take this. Let's have a sucky quarter backed up by unknown IT spend, backed up by you know, perilous election times, backed up by an inauguration we think might or might not happen. Let's choose that. And let's, that's our ideal. It's just yeah. silly, right? <laughs> But that's that's we that's the opportunity we have to lead teams that that find greatness is using these moments not to run from them not to hide from them not to place fingers at somebody else but to say in this moment like every great moment there are those who truly choose to do what is awesome and that's going to be us not because mm-hmm. we're some special people with education special education with special gifts you know we're not. We're not part of the Justice League or anything like that. We're just normal people, but we make a choice. And, and that's, that's a bit of the secret behind all of this is that you just choose. You choose to persist so that your dreams can, can continue to exist. Yeah, love that. So how is a, a failure or apparent failure kind of set you up for later success? Oh, dude. Huh. I, I, I mean... <laughs> I've failed so many times. It's unbelievable. Um, some of them shockingly bad. Um, <laughs> and I've had, I've had, I've gone, I've done business deals where someone walked away with you know, three or four hundred thousand dollars of my money, and I've gotten nothing from it. I've, I've, I've lost homes, um, you know, things like that. But I remember, I remember one particular story that has stayed with me forever. <clears throat> there was one time when I was in sales early on, 19, 20, 21, something like this. And um, I was selling uh, heating and air conditioning equipment. And um, in, in this company, it was, you know, like very low base hour, if anything at all. Maybe it was a draw against future, future, future commissions. And I'm driving this company truck and I'm, I'm you know, trying to make some deals. And I, I, I just sucked. I just had to tell you, Todd, I was, I was horrible. And so, like, the amount of money was going down and down and down. I was making more money, like, Previously, landscaping at you know ten bucks an hour, eight bucks an hour, something like that, just was not good at this yeah. craft. Like I was just trying and trying and trying. I was putting on a brave face, and no one knew. It was just horrible. I remember one time I, I left the house, and I, I I knew I had no more money in my bank account at all. Like I had to go close the sale, get some money, cash it, and then go put some gas in the in, in the vehicle. And I, I, I ended up uh, closing a deal, getting some money. Um, and before I could get to the gas station, my car, this old Plymouth car that used to be my grandparents, they gave it to me. Um, just, you know, you're, the, and, you know, you're running out of gas. And so I pulled into this parking lot and I, I wasn't smart. I wasn't smart because I parked at the top and there was a hill. I thought, you know, if I could just get the car going again, 
then I can make it. It's about a gas station, you know, quarter mile down the road, or so I can get to, I can get down the road. Maybe it's a half yeah. mile down the road. Couldn't see it, but I knew it was there because I knew where the road was. And I'm wearing those penny loafer shoes, which have great grip on the bottom. And I'm oh, sitting sure. <laughs> here, and I'm I'm pushing like I'm a, my shoulders against the door, and I'm pushing the car up the hill, and I can make it like six or seven feet, and then it was rolled back down. And I must have I must have tried to push this car up this hill. It was hours. It was probably two or three hours. I'm just pushing, pushing. And every time I make a few feet and then it rolls back down. And I'm even trying to put my foot under the tire to stop it from rolling. And and then my shoe is stuck there because my shoe's under the tire. And and, yeah. and you know, and then I let it roll back, pull my shoe out, it's all mashed. And and then I realized, like, look, dude, you're just not physically able to do this. Like this is outside your ability. And I just I just Sounds stupid. I just cried. I was so broken um, that for the, the first time I realized that if you just you, you can't do this thing. You just can't. And so I called my dad yeah. up and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm out of gas. Can you come? Can you come give me gas?" He brought a gas can, pulled up, and of course I gave him a big hug, and he was kind of like, "Oh, what's your problem? <laughs> Why is this a big deal?" <laughs> it, it, for him, it was a kind of a throwaway moment. For me, it was just with that. You know, if if you're gonna win this game called life, you've got to toughen up. You've got to stop being an idiot, and you've got to start doing what matters and stop just going through the motions. You know, I was just doing everything that everyone else thought I should be doing, or I thought they wanted me to do, and that began began a transformation where I went on and ended up selling millions and millions of dollars of heating and air conditioning equipment after the fact. I started becoming relentless. Hired a coach to help me with sales went through the SAM or sales system. Like I, I, it, things changed, but it took a moment like that where I just had to look myself in the mirror and said, do you want to be a person who pretends and never makes it? Like this car, mm -hmm. seven feet forward, seven feet back, seven feet forward, time after time after time. Or you, do you want to be someone who, who just who make it happen? Uh, and so... Yeah, it's one of those stories that means nothing to anyone else. I totally get, but I suspect that, you know, you and everyone listening have had stories like that of your own, where you just decide, I'm in, I'm in. If this is going to be the way we go, I'll burn it all down. But I'm not quitting. Right. I'm not giving up. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. No, I think everybody has to come to that uh, moment and realization of, you know, burn the ships <laughs> for themselves. And that's a great story. So it's tattooed uh, so, on my arm. It's literally, that's the way it was tattooed on my arm. Oh, that moment. It's right here. You can't see. Burn the ships. Literally nice. a ship. Nice. Nice. So. That's awesome. Hey, innovators. Make sure to start your new year off right. Don't be blindsided by rising IT costs due to outdated infrastructure and changing technologies. It's time to build digital resiliency at Applied Software's Digital Agility Summit, a virtual conference on January 21st. Join this transformative AEC conversation that will unite you with peers and industry leaders for digital transformation enrichment. As a thank you for being a loyal listener, use the code BTG to get your free basic ticket. That's normally a $50 value. Go to digitalagilitysummit.com to claim your spot today. See you there. Love it. 
so the the theme of the upcoming digital agility summit is all about uh, you know building better digital resiliency in AEC. Wondering what does digital resiliency what does that mean to you? How's it strike you? So I mean, I, look, I think agility is important. I think um, uh, I think we're talking about a couple ways where you can be ready to be agile. <clears throat> I think of agility like if we use a different word, fitness, kind of changes your mindset about the whole topic, right? Yeah. Um, when you're fit, you have a lot of options. You can be agile. So we're going to talk about uh, some some lessons, some ideas where how you know to position yourself. So that when everyone else is you know, hunkered down and afraid of what's going to happen next, you've got the plan to, to persist. You've got the plan to become the breakthrough leader. By the way, I'll say this. There's no better time than right now to be that person, to be, to be beginning to get ready. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's the general fear. There's confusion. And I, I have to tell you, from a political landscape, I don't see this changing. Um, I don't see the hate and the fear and the name calling going away. And, and what that means is that business leaders are a little more cautious of this new political um, and economic climate. So how can you as a business leader, as, as you know, in the IT space, position yourself so that you're taking advantage of opportunities that others are just pulling back from? I think that's the secret. And there's a, there's, there's a couple, um, you know, five or six surefire ways to do that. And before I came to you know, Pandora, I helped companies all over the world um, reposition their strategy and worked with companies like Microsoft and Cisco and Citrix and um, you know, Turkish Airlines. And, and, and these are billion dollar challenges. And we're not gonna certainly talk too much about the B word, but there's a lot of companies that are attending that are trying to make millions and millions of dollars, right? They're, they're trying to get back on the right track. And so there are some practical lessons that we'll, that we'll, that, that we'll be talking about. Um, one of the ways to hack your position in the marketplace is to, is to use systems and process to drive follow-up and follow-through. What's interesting is that uh, the, the, the moment of stress for our customers isn't about the problem they're facing or about uh, you know, what you're doing about it, it's one word, uncertainty. And uncertainty can be solved with either clarity or information, status. And so, you know, it's interesting to me uh, how follow up and follow through with the expectation that you're going to do something awesome helps people uh, feel better, act better, and of course it helps your brand, you know, elevate. And so, um, there's some really neat steps. One of the things we, we teach is you know, every morning, if, especially if you're a, a you know, customer success manager or territory manager, or you're just in support teams, looking at all of the people that you helped the previous day and sending a simple note that says, you know, hey, Todd, you know, we talked yesterday about X, Y, and Z. How's it all going? You good? Everything fine? And, and, then, and by the way, if you have a signature that has, you know, some advertisement in it, like even this upcoming event, that's obviously an, an advertisement for where you're going, but the message itself says beyond what our relationship is as, as a support entity or a sales entity, we care about you. That simple message, that sort of structure and that discipline around it 
has resulted in just one of those companies alone I mentioned that sells the software that goes on the computer. Uh, that company alone made over $230 million one year by making a slight adjustment to their, to their follow-up process where every morning, even after a ticket was closed, they would follow up with someone and say, what else can we do for you? Yeah. That's those simple tweaks are what drive you forward. So anyways, we'll talk about that and more, some practical things you can begin to do right after the event. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. When is it, by the way, Todd? Did we, we, there's a time. January 21st is the, the big day. Okay, I'll have to remember to comb uh, my hair, make sure I wear a collared shirt, not a, not a Lululemon <laughs> sweatshirt. Yeah. I gotta say, listen, there you, hey. you know what I mean? Talk about being, talk about being flexible. There you go. I can't, I can't knock Lulu. You know what I mean? I mean they need to make dress shirts. I'll be, it'll be, you know, the coup de gras, just wearing very comfortable dress shirts. That's right. I've lived in the Lulu joggers all year. So it's, uh, that's been my go-to. Yes. I was going to show you, but the audience doesn't care about my pants, but yes, totally did. Totally. Yep. Very comfortable. <laughs> From the top up, you look very business-like at the bottom. You could be wearing, uh, you could be wearing, uh, you could be wearing joggers or in the summertime, they're dog shorts. So. There you go. There you go. I actually have my joggers on now, even though I have a, a dress shirt and sweater on. <laughs> I would, it's the God, blessings I of 2020. <laughs> there you go. That's right. When you were navigating through those questions, I knew this is a comfortable man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, well, let's get into some digital transformation happening in the AEC. Uh, what's something that kind of piques your curiosity right now about this big transformation happening throughout the industry? So one of the things we've been looking at is this idea to connect AEC companies who are partnering or joint venturing on projects together around a common, uh, a common set of trials. So I think that's, that's what's inter- it's a very interesting is that it's kind of the age of give me, the times of give me the whole project are, are over. So collaboration yeah. is really key. And so us working together, even if you get across similar functions, is, uh, is, is something that's happening across, uh, across the entire AEC vertical. Yeah. Uh, well, in this time of, you know, big disruption, uh, what does leadership really look like? How, how do, how can people come into the conference and, you know, CIOs really look at what their leadership should be like in this time? No, I'm not an expert on leadership. I mean, I always feel unqualified to answer any of these sort of questions, but I'll just tell you from my gut, it feels like people want to know one that you as a leader are real. So all of the things we're talking about fall apart if you're a phony. Uh, And so one, bring the intention of I'm going to do right by my people. And I think the people attending, the fact that they're showing up probably means they're, they're real. They're genuine. Mm. The second thing is, you know, sometimes I'll have conversations with individuals on my team or on a team below a team. And I realize, oh, you didn't, you weren't in the meetings I was in yesterday. You weren't a part of the executive level conversation. So you're left wondering what the heck is going on. And I already know, I already know what's coming. Yeah. And so communication is really, really clear. clear. One of the things we started doing inside Panzura since we purchased the company a few months ago was one, of rapidly accelerating our communication internally and, and attempting to do the same thing externally. Every two weeks, we have an all-hands meeting 
with my entire team, all the teams that roll up to me, which is sales, which is marketing, customer success, territories, enterprise, channel, solution architects, you know, five or six or seven teams, LATAM, EMEA, and the United States. All of that, every yeah. single person, every two weeks, where we talk, communication. Here's what's happening. Here's what you're doing. Here's what's exciting. Here's the next promotion. Here's the goal. Here's where we're, here's our mission. Is. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have everyone in the entire company at least once a month, if not more. And, and then we, we started doing happy hours where we're, we're shipping out um, care, pa- care packages, wasn't even thinking, to everybody in the, in the company. Yeah. So, so, you know, so we send out boxes and we all get together and we all get together and, and we talk about it. So there's a gift box that goes out to everybody in the entire company. And I don't know, there's cookies or some more stuff in here too. <laughs> I, they're like, did you get your box? I'm like, yes, but I've got boxes everywhere. So sure, I'll get to it. But make no mistake, um, I'll get exponentially more value from my team because they, they know, hopefully they know we as a company, we as leaders care. And right. I think those sort of things help. I mean, as soon as COVID hit, um, we gave everyone in the company an extra $1,000 to go buy digital gear. Right. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but again, they already have a company laptop and stuff, but like if you needed a new monitor or a new webcam mm. or, or a light, we're not going to micromanage it. You spend the money however you want, or just frankly go to the bar and drink and use your money that way. But that money would give you the chance to kind of set up your home office. You want to buy a mouse pad, buy a mouse pad. You know, you want to, you want to buy a, a standalone microphone, you know, go buy a standalone yeah. microphone. We don't care. Is that kind of that money to go do it your way. I think things like that get your team going, okay, I got this. You know, I've got the tools to make this work. And it, again, so I, you asked me the question, what should leaders do? Man, I don't know. I'm in it up like everyone else. But I think I let my people know, look, I care about you. I love you guys. You're my team, yeah. right? We're going to go to war together. That being said, I'm holding you to a high standard, but I want you to know that first and foremost, we're in this together. So this is, this is kind of where my head's at. This is where I'm kind of working through. This is, this is the nuts and bolts of what I think leading is. is just talking about the things that are uncomfortable. You know, people are afraid. People are nervous. Uh, they want to know what's going on, you know. And so um, not being afraid to have this conversation. Sometimes forcing it is the best way to, to, to lead. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a, a great answer because I think the caring is the foundation. And then once they know that you care, then they're interested in what you have to say to them. And then they will, that high standard that you're holding them to, they're going to want to live up to that. That's great. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's right. I've always, I've always been willing to go to war for people that I thought, you know, cared about me, you know, weren't selfish, weren't narcissistic, weren't selfish, you know, you know, guys, people that were like, hey, we're doing this together. And so I've tried to yeah. model that behavior again. I'm human. So there's days where I'm just like, Hey, get up and do this, you know, but, <laughs> but, but more times than not, I, I feel like that message comes through loud and clear to the team and they just rise to the occasion. And you know, look, it's working. You know, we've been 150% revenue growth quarter over quarter. And it's just, it's, wow. it's, we're on a 300% growth curve right now in spite of all the craziness happening with it. And, and, and it's not one thing. And it's not me as the leader. I'm not selling it. It's the team. But I think it's this, it's this, it's this pathway of communication and 
So like in that case, like a, a gift box of 200 bucks a piece, it's probably worth it, right? When you're, when you're growing fast um, and, and, and things like that too. By the way, sure. we, when we walked in the door here, there were 300 roughly employees. We decided who was redundant and reduced that down to 100. So we're growing at 150% quarter over quarter with one third the number of employees we used to have. Go figure that wow. out. Wow. That's impressive. So for those that don't know, what is Panzura and how do people find more information? Panzura um, owns this space around user data management. And um, just like you have companies like Cohesity, Nutanix, and Rubrik who do backup, we, uh, we provide uh, intelligence and a global file system around the files you use every day, your primary files. And so for a CIO or for a systems integrator or for an AC company looking for a solution, we allow you to take the same files, compress, dedupe, and encrypt them, and have that same file be available everywhere you have an office, everywhere you have people. And very soon, Todd, uh, we also have a mobile app, which will be running on laptops and all kinds of edge devices now extending the reach even further. So, um, you know, Panzer nice. allows you to, to you have your user files everywhere very safely and very quickly. Awesome. Uh, well, last question that I ask all my guests, what does innovation mean to you? So I'll go back to what you asked the question a couple of minutes ago, which is leveling up. I think innovation for me is all about this idea of leveling up. Um, uh -huh. and, and, you know, there are things that I don't think are innovative that other people do, and it's cool. That's their leveling up, right? And there's things that we think are awesome that other people may go, hey, who, who cares about that? So I think this idea about innovation is, is like, what if you didn't have limits? You know, what if you didn't have uh, boundaries for what you thought was possible? Um, what if you could just achieve the thing that's on your mind? What is that thing? That's where you start getting into some truly remarkable stuff, the stuff that no one else has done before. So that's, that's the bar. That's the bar. Yeah. Well, Dan, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I did. And I'm excited about hanging with you again at uh in january yeah it'll be a fun fun event thanks for keynoting that uh conference yeah you bet and now it's time for my todd takes for this episode first take i so appreciate dan's challenge at the beginning of this new year what is the next right thing the example of him running ultra marathons and focusing not on the end of the race but on the next aid station is a practical call for all of us as we kick off this new year, think of your goals in shorter sprints. Get some wins under your belt early this year to allow your momentum to build. Challenge yourself. What is the next level that you can reach this month? That brings me to my second take, and it's part of that challenge. You would be amazed at just how far you will go by simply showing up. Dan had the line, you choose to persist so that your dreams can continue to exist. I'm a firm believer in the power of just showing up. Don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of not trying. And finally, the digital transformation throughout all of AC is not going to be slowing down this year. Dan threw out another challenge to ask yourself, how can you position yourself as a business leader to take advantage of the moment and things that others are pulling back from? And that's a great place to start your goal setting this year. I'm really excited to hear more from Dan as he keynotes the Digital Agility Summit by Applied Software on January 21st. 
Don't forget to claim your complimentary ticket today as a thank you for listening by using the code BTG. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at ASTI.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.